Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. Now, none of us are like that, but we know someone like that, right? And, and uh, it, it's, it's them. Hey, we're in, uh, we're in the middle of a series right now called Simply Irresistible. And we're just, we're just talking about the things about Cornerstone, the things about this place that have made it a place that we love and have brought all of us here together and, and why we came. And the first time we were here, we said, man, this is home. And, and God has changed us and moved us. And, and so we're just going back and talking about kind of some of the core values that have made this uh, place what it is and why we love to be here and be together. And I think it's especially important for us to do this together right now because we're getting ready to move into a new building. You realize things are going to change. It's going to be a little bit different. But for you and I to make sure that our hearts are lined up on what's important together and that we don't forget who we are and what got us uh, this far and, and, and what it is that God's done in us and is probably going to do in us as we move. So we're, we're just spending the next few weeks doing that till we get moved over there and, and into the building. And today we're going to talk about this, uh, this whole idea of uh, service uh, together. Every one of us has probably had the moment in which we saw somebody up on stage or saw somebody exhibiting some talent or skill and thought in our hearts, Wow. How come? How come they're so good? How come they're so blessed? Why did God give them so much ability? The truth is they don't even know how to use it. And I mean, man, and, and how come, how come I don't seem to have that type of talent? I mean, how come I, man, everything I have, I have to work for and try. Ever felt that way? And then there are some of us in the room who are just the opposite. Some of us in the room are going, man, I am so blessed. Put me in front, man. I will show you how it ought to go. I am so gifted. And, and, and you have so much confidence in yourself. And the reality is you come by it honestly because everything you touch seems to come up roses. And every decision you make seems to turn out the right way. And you just go, wow, it's really nice to be blessed you know, in my life. And, and so then here's what happens. We all sit around comparing with each other. See, we all go, boy, I, man, if I could sing like you can sing, and I don't know why God didn't let me be able to teach like you can teach. And I don't know why God didn't let me make money the way you make money. And, and I, I don't know why when you talk, people listen. I, what is that about you? And I don't know why you have such a great heart and why I get angry. So we, and, and we do, and we compare, and we posture, and we condemn, and we get jealous and prideful. 
And then Jesus. See, I think, I think the disciples were struggling exactly with that. And Jesus comes to the end of his life. Matter of fact, the passage we're going to look at in just a moment, Jesus knows the next day he goes to the cross. And he knows his disciples are struggling with this. And he's about to change their entire perception of life with a towel. So if you've got your Bibles, go with me to just an amazing, amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. It's in the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 13. Jesus is with his disciples. They're eating the Passover feast. The next day, Jesus will be hanging on a cross. And in that moment, he, tra- he decides to teach them a lesson about life that will literally change their entire perspective on why they're here, what they were created to do, what their lives are supposed to be about, and he'll teach the lesson with a towel. John chapter 13, verse 1. Here's what it says. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world... He now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Don't miss that phrase. Jesus sits in that moment with every ability, every power, every authority. I mean, stop and think about that if you had that. I mean... Stop and think, if anything you wanted, you could have. Anything you wanted to do, you could do. You had every ability possible. I mean, it's all there. It's all there. There is nothing you don't have or can't do. What could you leverage that for? What could you do if you had that type of power, that type of authority? I mean, wow. You could be Jessica Simpson. (laughs) Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. You ready for this? Here's what he does. With all power, all authority, all ability. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Now, guys, guys, some of us have heard this story before. Don't... Miss it. Smell the smells. Feel the moment. And watch as the creator of the world picks up a towel and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. I mean, guys, talk about, talk about a moment that had to be absolutely awkward and strange. There's God wiping the disciples' feet. Did a wedding this last weekend. Our high school director married his fiance. I, did, I got the privilege of doing the service, and they decided in the service to do something just a little bit different. They decided within the service to do a foot washing ceremony. So here we are, we're going along, it's just like normal. Everybody's kind of falling asleep like you do at a wedding. And uh, suddenly we get to this moment, and we said, You know, Jesus set this amazing example of being a servant. 
which is really what a husband is supposed to do for a wife and a wife for a husband. And so you've chosen this moment to take that example and to wash one another's feet. And I'm just going to tell you, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly powerful moment as she sat down, he got down on his knees in front of his new bride, took off her shoes and began to wash her feet in in a symbol and an act of saying, hey, my role from here on is to serve you and to make you happy. But, But if that wasn't powerful enough, the part that was really, really strange was when She got up, he sat down, and she, in this amazingly perfect bridal gown, I mean, literally the picture of perfect bride, gets down on her knees, takes off his smelly shoes, and began to wash his feet. And I did, you just need to know that I wasn't the only one there. We all sat there and said, no, no, th- this is really uncomfortable. No, no, get up, get up, get up, get up. You're in your bridal gown. This is your day. It's all about you. This just feels so unbelievably awkward and yet powerful because the reality is that being married is about loving someone enough to be a servant to them. So take the moment, take the moment. You think it was strange for us? Think about that moment from the eyes of the disciples as God wipes their feet. Do you think there's any chance those men ever forgot that moment? Do you think there's any chance those guys missed the lesson of the tale? Not a chance. Matter of fact, look what Jesus says next. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, You should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example, you ready, that you should do. As I have done for you, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You get what Jesus just said? You need a towel. You need a towel. Matter of fact, think about this. Jesus in that moment is defining his life for them. He's saying, look, look, look. I didn't come to earth because I needed to come to earth. I came to earth because you needed me to come to earth. And I'm about to die tomorrow. And I'm not dying tomorrow because I need to die. I'm dying tomorrow because you need me to die. It's a towel. And I have come to serve. And what you've just seen me do is what you were created to do. That God put you here not to see how far you could get. To see how well you could wear the towel. I'm 21 years old. Brand new in ministry. I'm doing an internship. And for some reason, the youth pastor at the church sends me away with a whole group of young adults to Colorado to lead a backpack trip. I have 
Who knows why? So here I am in my 21 years of youthfulness. The leader, many on the trip were older than me, and I felt this incredible pressure to establish myself. So we get in, you got to picture this, we go from Phoenix, about 2,000 feet above sea level, to Colorado, 10,000 feet above sea level, and now we're going to start going back and forth over the top of the Continental Divide, 14,000 feet above sea level. Anybody heard anything called altitude sickness? I get there the first day and we pack up and we're going to be out in the woods for like seven days, eight days. we got like 80, 90 pounds on most of our packs, on our backs. And, and now we start out. Never been backpacking before, you know, in my life. But I'm the leader. And as we get ready to go, there's this guy. There's this guy in the group who somehow hasn't figured out that I'm the leader. His name's Max. And so we say, you know, we, you, know you pray because that's what you do on a church trip. And then before I open my eyes, Max is going down the trail. And I'm going, whoa, whoa, wait. Doesn't he know I'm the leader? So in Christian love, I put on my 90-pound pack and I start running after Max. And, and I get even with him and he's still just going along. So, so I pass Max. And then I go, I'm the leader. You know, and along. So we're, we're going along and we're hugging. Guess what Max does the first time we come to a corner? And I'm thinking, you dirty dog. You don't get it. I'm the leader. You're not. We spent the next six and a half hours. But here's what I'm here proud to tell you. Guess who got to the campsite first? Proved to Max. <laughs> now comes that demon of altitude sickness. And I spent the next two and a half hours getting acquainted with the shrubbery of the camp area as I bent over and fertilized the shrubbery with my lunch. That wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it is, is that as I was in that posture, I watched a group of our people coming up. Because see, the truth was, I'd been so busy establishing myself as the leader, guess who we'd left behind? And there was a group of three, and one of them had actually come around a bend, and they were heading kind of the wrong direction, and had actually slipped off the side of the trail, fallen down about 15, 20 feet, got all banged up, all bruised up. The other two had to help them for the last hour and a half get there. And there they were bleeding and hurt. There was another group got there about two hours late. They'd, they'd gone to a fork and no one had told them which way to go. So they'd gone an hour the wrong way before they realized the wrong way. Then an hour back. So now they're coming in all tired and weary. But by golly, everybody knew I was the leader. And suddenly it occurred to me. They didn't need someone to get to the campsite first. They needed someone with a towel. They needed someone who would have stood at the fork and said, Hey, right way, wrong way. They needed someone who would have stood by the edge of the trail and said, Hey, it's a little steep here. Stay off to the side. See, what Jesus is teaching his disciples is, Guys, 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 guys. God didn't give you 
that opportunity. God didn't give you the experiences you've had in life. God didn't give you the abilities you have so that Intel could have a high-ranking employee or so that you could be successful. It's a towel. And it was meant to serve. And guys, here's what you need to get. Here's what you need. You will never know why you're here. You will never understand why you breathe air and take up space until you find your towel. Until you find what it is that God put you here to do and the lives God put you here to change and touch as you serve. It's the lesson of the towel. Let me just talk about how core this is to who you are and to your life. Here's the first thing. Every one of us, every person in this room has spiritual gifts. You may have never heard that before, but here Scripture teaches it so clearly that every one of you has spiritual gifts. Matter of fact, Scripture says this. It's amazing. In Psalms 139, it says that when you were inside of your mother's womb, that God was there, and, and here's the words it used. You ready for this? Knitting you together. You ever wonder why you like French toast? And why you hate hot sauce. You ever wonder, why is that? God knit you that way. Did you ever wonder why you laugh at the things you laugh about or why you enjoy? Guess who made you? Did you ever wonder why your personality is the way your personality is? I know your husband wondered, but have you ever wondered (laughs) why? Okay. Because God knit you that way. And and in the midst of that, here's the other thing you got to get. He gave you spiritual gifts. He gave you gifting in your life that, that wasn't about success or climbing the corporate. That was about you taking that and using it to minister and to touch and wash the feet of others. Let's grab your Bibles real quick. We'll take a quick look at what spiritual gifts. Romans. Romans chapter... 12. It's going to be to the right in your Bible a little bit. Romans chapter 12. Now, here's the deal. There's a lot of controversy. A lot of theologians argue about spiritual gifts. We're not going to go through the argument and we're not going to, we're just going to stay with the safe ones today. Okay. So whatever rocks you had in your hands, you can put them back down. Okay. Don't have to throw them. We're going to talk about the ones that no one disagrees on. But here, here we go. Romans chapter 12. Chicken. Okay. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse four. Here's what it says. Just as each one of us has one body with many members. In other words, we got feet and hands and mouths and noses and eyes and ears and shoulders. Different parts of our body, all to do different functions. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ Jesus, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs, ready for this? Belongs... To all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in the proportion of his faith. And if it is serving, let him serve it. If it's teaching, let him teach. And if it's encouraging, let him encourage. And if it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. And if it's leadership, let him govern and diligently. And if it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. It's just saying, look, look, look. God gave you supernatural spiritual gifts for the very, very, very purpose that you would use them to minister to the lives of others. Here's the deal. And you may not have ever caught this before. Did you know that every one of us in this room is a minister 
on behalf of Jesus Christ. You're not a pastor, but every one of us is a minister on behalf of Jesus Christ. So what's your ministry? Where's your towel? So let me go through the list real quick. Okay, Inside of your program today, we just listed some spiritual gifts on there for you. You can take a look at it. If you can read it, you're younger than I am. Okay? But here they are. Here they are. Number one is prophecy. Prophecy is not foretelling the future. Okay? I know some of you think that your mother can do that. That's not what it is. It's not foretelling the future. Matter of fact, the word prophecy actually means to tell forth. People with the gift of prophecy desperately, desperately believe that the truth has to be spoken. And so here's the thing. They, they, they see something wrong. They see somebody doing something wrong. They see a mistake. And they feel absolutely compelled to say out loud, hey, you realize that was, you know, no. And the Bible says don't. And gift of prophecy. Matter of fact, a person with the gift of prophecy walking through the store, seeing a mom with two screaming children, says to themselves, somebody, somebody ought to say something to her. And maybe it's me. Okay? And look, look, we need to get to prophecy because here's the truth. Sometimes we get off track. And sometimes what we really need is someone who will look us in the eyes and say, you realize. You realize that's wrong, right? It's a gift of prophecy. Some of you may have it. And as we go down this list, you're gonna, somewhere you're going to see yourself. And it'd be fun for you to put a mark next to the ones you think maybe God has given you. So some of you in here are going, oh, that's me, man. You know. Gift of mercy. Gift of mercy is almost the other end. Gift of mercy basically see, it has this incredibly deep felt, just almost radar for people who are hurting. They know before everybody else does, oh, I bet you that person's heart is sad. And they're drawn to them and they desperately, desperately, desperately want to help that person. Matter of fact, the person with the gift of mercy, same store, same mother, same kids crying, says to themselves, I'll bet you she's so embarrassed. Maybe I could go hold one of her children for her. Okay? You know, you need people with the gift of mercy in the church because there's people with the gift of prophecy in church. <laughs> and if someone's got to come clean up the mess, you know. <laughs> gift of evangelism. There are some of us who just find it absolutely natural to tell everybody we know what Jesus did in our lives. We've got this amazing story that we just can't help but say out loud. And... and for some reason, almost every conversation we get into somehow ends up being about Jesus. Someone says, boy, isn't that nice weather? And you go, yes, Jesus is good. <laughs> gift of evangelism. You know, I, I had a dear friend who had the gift of evangelism. He'd walk up, he'd walk up to guys and say, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell, brother? And, and they wouldn't hit him. You know, gift of evangelism. Okay. Some of you have the gift of evangelism and your heart desperately, desperately aches to make sure that everybody knows the story of Jesus. Matter of fact, sometimes it translates into kind of a heart for missions because you go, you know what? It's really nice you send your $27, but we better send the story. And, and gift of evangelism. Okay? Gift of generosity. Interesting, interesting, interesting gift because a lot of times people that gift of generosity look stingy. Because here's what happens. People with the gift of generosity believe that money is a tool, a tool to bless. So what they do is on the one side, they save, 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 scrimp, 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 go to all the sales. Matter of fact, someone with the gift of generosity might go to five different stores to find a cheaper way to buy it, and then they give it away. And you're like, what? And, and sometimes people with the gift of generosity will complain about how you and I spend their money. And, oh, you know, you could have done a better, you know, because they believe you're supposed to use it to bless and give somewhere else. 
So they're kind of like they're kind of like schizophrenics, you know. They're save, 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 give, give, give. Okay, give to generosity. Sometimes people that give to generosity are wildly successful in business because they're always looking for a way to get money to be able to give to bless. Administration. Administration can take two forms. Administration sometimes is micro. People with a micro gift of administration see all the details. They see all the little things that are in there and they, they, they work to make things go smooth. People with the micro gift administration balance their checkbooks. This is a warp and sick gift, but it is a gift nonetheless. <laughs> There's also a macro version of this gift, which is this person doesn't see the details. They see all the big picture. They see all the components that have to come together in the grander scheme to pull it all together. We sometimes call that leadership. You ever wonder where that came from? It's a gift. The gift of pastoring, shepherding. Pastor shepherds are desperately concerned about maturity. They're always worried about our people growing up into Jesus and understanding God better. It just aches their heart, the idea that we all need to grow up inside the body. And people with pastor shepherding always want harmony. Can't we just be a family? Can't we just do this together? And they love and, and serve for peace. Anybody do that in their own families? You may be a pastor shepherd. Teaching. People with the gift of teaching believe that information changes things. And they love, love, love doing research, but they love even more giving the information out. You ever gone up and started having just a casual conversation with someone and ended up with a lesson? <laughs> Gift of teaching. Boy, if you just knew this, it would change your information, information. Okay? And we... Next one. Service. I think in many ways, maybe the most overlooked gift in all the gifts. And here's the thing. People with the gift of service most often say, I don't have any gifts. So I just serve. <laughs> no. You may have one of the most powerful gifts. Because just like feet on a body, we don't get anywhere without you. Gift of service. People with the gift of service usually hate the spotlight. They hate being in front of people. They hate being noticed. They tend to want to serve in quietness and only every once in a while be recognized. And when they get recognized, they tend to be embarrassed. Gift of service. And finally, gift of exhortation. This is that person just... See, you, you, thought, you thought they were just an obnoxious talker? No, that's a gift of exhortation. Okay? And, and people with the gift of exhortation believe that the right words spoken at the right time can change a life. And if I can just be there at the right moment and say the right thing, I could forever help them. Gift of exhortation. So that's why they're always talking, because they're hoping for the moment. Okay? So, <laughs> gift of exhortation. Now, some of you are looking at this list and you're going, Dude, I'm, you are, I don't have any spiritual gifts. I, not possible. Not possible. You just haven't figured them out yet. So here, here's what I'm going to do. Two things. Number one is, outside there's a booth. You guys came in, you saw. And there's actually a booth called Connecting Point. And we've actually got a little survey, little test you do. It normally costs five bucks. We'll pay for that for you to help you figure out what your spiritual gift is. But another way to do this too is ask someone who knows you. It's amazing how often somebody else in your life, if you said, I, I don't have any of these, would just laugh and go, you're crazy. You got this one and you got this one. And they would see in you what you don't see in yourself. Okay, so here, here, you ready? You were born. You were born gifted for a towel. Okay, next part. Our experiences, 
some of the things that have happened in our life only make sense in the context of making you and I better ministers. See, here's the deal. Every one of us, we've all heard that verse, right? All things work to the good for them who love God. You know, that's the verse that some well-meaning Christian always quotes to us right when our life stinks, right? And in that moment, you just want to hit them. And you just want to go... And then, very often what happens in our life is sometimes we look back and we go, I I still don't get it. See, I'm sitting here five, six, seven years. I don't get how cancer works to my good. See, I don't get how getting fired from that job works to the good. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I know what Scripture says, but I don't get it still. Maybe, maybe, because you're not holding the towel. Let me see if I can help. Some of you guys know my story. And you know that as I grew up, my parents divorced. We had just moved to Tempe and we had bought this incredibly, ridiculously expensive house. Our own relatives were looking at us and saying, how dumb do you have to be to spend $30,000 on a house? And in that moment, my parents divorced. This supposedly perfect Christian home blew up in our faces. I was the oldest with three younger sisters. That in itself was a curse from God. No. (laughs) In the midst of that, my baby sister had autism back before they knew what autism was. And so every day you'd come home from school and there would be Diane filled with need. And I'm just going to be transparent and honest with you and tell you that when you're a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy and you've got a baby sister who has that type of struggle and I'm just going to tell you there's no way to describe it fully to you unless you've had a special needs child in your life. And to come home and there'd be days in which she had defecated on the floor and She'd go up to my friends and say hi by hitting them. Turn over the furniture in the house and he'd say, don't mind that the couch is upside down today. And I'm just going to be honest and tell you, as a 13-year-old, I went, hey, God, this stinks. This, this stinks. Let's talk good. My baby sister, Diane, died when she was 16. She was in an accident and drowned. But praise God, by the time that moment came, I was able to stand at a funeral and say, you know, I think I get some of this. Because by that time, I already knew God had called me to ministry. And what I had figured out about my life is, is that you get down to the bottom of me and I am ornery and selfish and a booger. And God in kindness to get me ready for ministry gave me a little sister who needed patience and love and kindness, all the things I lacked because he knew someday I'd pastor a church. And and guys, is it possible that that God gave Diane to our family more for your sake than even mine? Because he knew one day you'd be sitting in a church And that you would hope that your pastor at least had a little bit of kindness and a little bit of patience 
and a little bit of love. And that the answer for Diane may be more about you than even about me. And is it possible that maybe some of the biggest events in your life, some of the most unexplained events, why did that illness happen? Why did I have that type of family? Why did that person pass away? Why did I lose that? Maybe the answer to that isn't about you as much as it is about the towel. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians says it this way. Sometimes God allows our life to hurt so that in the comfort we find, we learn how to minister comfort to others. Is it possible that maybe some of the most unexplained moments of your life were about the towel and about teaching you to be a servant minister to us? Real quick. When you start to figure out the towel, when you start to figure out that God created you for the towel, and if you can find your towel, you just need it will fill your heart with passion. When when you when you finally figure out what the towel is and what it is that God created you to do and what it is that God wanted you to minister, when you get it, your it will burn in you. It will you, you'll go. Golly, I can't believe I spent my whole life not, not without the towel in my hand. And, and I would do this for free. I, I, get, I get down on my knees and wash feet gladly. Because this burns in my heart. We, we've got this guy on staff. His name's Jeff Gokey. He works with our 5th and 6th grade kids. Any guys met him? Oh, you got to meet him. All right. Just whew. Anyways, Jeff, Jeff works with our 5th and 6th grade kids. Now, think about this a second. How crazy do you have to be to work with 5th and 6th grade kids? That's not normal, right? And yet, if you go and meet with Jeff, you take about five minutes, you'll go, this guy's passionate about 5th and 6th Because here's his heart. Here's what his heart says. Get them before they ruin their lives. Get them early. You know? Get them going the right way. And, 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 and he just eats, sleeps, drinks 5th and 6th grade kids. Now, it's not normal. And the truth is, all of us that have ever had one try to avoid them at all costs. But it's his towel. And it fills his heart with passion. And one day I'm walking over in the buildings and I'm over there and, and there's Jeff and everybody else is gone and it's after hours and he's got this saw and he's sawing stuff and building stuff. And I'm going, Jeff, what, you know, what, what's going on? And he goes, no, no. He goes, he goes, we've got this lesson we're doing for the fifth and sixth grade kids and, and, it, and it's all about how our Christian life is a lot like a house. And the different rooms of a house. And he said, so every single week I'm building a different room here in the classroom for the kids so they can get it. That's not in the job description, guys. That's passion. Because when you find that thing that God created you to do, when you find the towel that He asked you to hold, when you begin to take your life and leverage it to minister and change the lives of other people, it'll burn your heart. Matter of fact, one of the ways you'll know you found your towel is it'll burn your heart. Here's what we're going to do today. It's a little bit different, okay? Everybody, everybody, if you, when you came in, you got one of these, right? It's a towelette. Because we thought if we could just start small... Okay, so, so here's what we're going to do. We're not going to come up and sing again. We're not going to do that. And in just a minute, I'm going to dismiss you. You're going to go grab your kids. And then you guys have seen the booths out there. Here's what I'm going to ask. The booths are about towels. 
No obligation. No one's going to twist your arm. Would you just go feel some towels and say, is it possible? Is it possible that God created me to minister here? That, that I'm finding my towel. Would you consider just holding a towel, feeling a towel? Would you do it two or three times just to see if God would burn your heart with a towel? Let's pray. Dearest Heavenly Father, we come before you and we're just... If our Lord and Savior can get on his knees and wipe feet, if he says, this is why I'm here, God, we know. We know that we need a towel. And God, I'm just going to ask for every person in this room that you would begin to speak to their heart, that there'd be a yearning in their heart that would say, it, it can't be about the next step in the corporate life. That can't be why God made me how he did. It can't be why my personality, it can't be why my spiritual gifts are the way they are. It can't be. God had to have had something more vital for my life. He did. And it was a towel. And God, I pray that every one of us would not rest until we find the towel, until we find that place of service, that, that purpose for which you put us on this earth to minister to the lives of others. This I pray in the name of Jesus.